Welcome, everybody. We're back here in Amy Farm again this morning. As always, I've got Joe DeSena, Sephra Alexandra. Oh, thank you. And Johnny Waite with me and Marion behind the camera. <laughs> All right, listen, we've got a great interview coming up here. Uh, Mr. Dan Penna, no-nonsense guy, guy moved yeah. over to Scotland, lives in a castle, has created his own wealth, has helped other people with wealth by having kind of a no-nonsense philosophy, right? Yeah. He said, you know, uh, you know, if you're sitting around and you're sitting in the bar and you're drinking and you're farting. Don't, don't say it. Don't say don't, it. Don't say it. Watch right, this and check this, this out. Watch this and listen <laughs> yeah, to what this guy's got one. to say. You listen to this, you're going to make your first $100 million. We are here in London for Spartan Up Podcast with Dan Pena, my hero. I caught him online giving a talk at Oxford, and I said, I have to meet this guy. He drove, he drove 400 miles to get here. flew. Flew, took a chopper. He took a chopper <laughs> to here, and, uh, and we're sitting in a hotel, and we're about to get into it. So um, you were doing ultra marathons in the 70s? Yeah, I, uh, I used to be a tournament racquetball player in, se- in the early 70s, and to stay in shape, I ran, okay? And, uh, and then I ran more and more, and then a 50-mile uh, marathon came up, and I hadn't run a, a regular marathon yet. And this was in, in UK? L- no, this was in Los Angeles. Okay. I was a member of the Los Angeles Athletic Club. So I ran my first 50-mile uh, 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 race, and uh, it was a ball buster. Which I, was not common back then. No. And it was, I grossly underestimated the, uh, what 50 miles really was. Right. And, uh, the, um, and then I got into it. I liked it. And that high you get. Uh, sure. But the more I ran, the longer I had to run to get the high. Oh, and uh, I think that happens to us, right? You got to keep pushing further yeah. and further. And so um, then I uh, I ran in one hundred miler, twenty two hours about. What year was that? That, that would have been that would have been seventy five, seventy six. Wow. What what um what is your background? Are, like where, where's your family? Uh, I, w- I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, right at the end of World War II, uh, and I was raised in uh, Los Angeles, outside Los Angeles, initially in East LA. I'm a barrio bad boy. Right. Uh, but your parents are from? My, my mother and my grandmother swam across the uh, Houston uh, or the river between Texas and, uh, and uh, Mexico as illegal aliens in the mid-20s. Wow. My dad was born in the U.S. He was a cop. Uh, uh, but our first home was in East L.A. in the barrio. Uh, and I uh, got in a lot, a lot of trouble. Arrested five times. Did some really shitty things. And uh, my mother begged my father to move from the barrio to, and we went to the valley, the San Fernando Valley in the late 50s, which is now part of Los Angeles. But then it was out with weeds and, uh, and cornfields and stuff. But I still got in trouble. I still found places to get in trouble. And, um, the, uh, and ultimately then uh, uh, it was like, Dan, you either go in the military or you're going to jail. And so I volunteered for the draft as a 20-year-old in... Uh, uh, June of 66. 66 right? so yeah. I didn't go to Vietnam, though. No. And then I went through OCS, uh, officer school, and uh, that was the turning point in my life. The only high-performance thing that I'd ever done. Inactive. But when I came back to school, because I'd flunked out of university three times, and uh, when I came back to school, I came back with a vengeance. Uh, I, had, I finished a four-year degree in two and a half years with honors, and uh, then um, I was working on my master's, had a scholarship to go to law school, and I, I, I not invented, I found money. The money bug hit me. So, so I want to I stop right there. And, because and, um, I have children, I have four children, you have children. 
I'm hearing this this amazing fire that's burning inside you, right? And mm-hmm. so there's millions of people that are going to be watching this thing um, or listening to it. How do we? How do I get that fire in my kid? How do you get them in your? How does somebody develop that? Okay. That, it wasn't just money. It's like anything you attack, you attack. No, 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 yeah, it was. Right? But then I, I discovered money after that. Yeah. And I realized, uh, I'll just, one more sentence about money. I realized, uh, as Elon Musk recently said, if you work 80 hours a week and another guy works only 40 hours a week, unless you're, something's wrong with you, you're going to get twice as much done. I, I discovered that. Okay, but moving back to the kids, you uh, lead by example. Uh, the, um, my kids always saw me work hard. Were your pa- but did your parents work? My dad, my dad was a workaholic. He was a cop, but he was a workaholic. When he retired from the LAPD after 28 years, he had 700 plus days. They wrote him a check for it because he never took a day off. 700 in 28 years. He never took a day off. He was always at work. Uh, and the, uh, so I saw that. And I saw, you know, and uh, although... Uh, and then he went on, he went with the CIA and he became a college professor, but I saw him work hard. And, the, um, and I aspired to follow my dad in my dad's footsteps as far as that was concerned. Not to be poor, but uh, to uh, work ethic. So getting back to your kids, instill work ethic. Most of the kids that come to me now are snowflakes. I mean, they, you know, I say a stiff drink and a good f- kill them all. I mean, the, the females included. Um, and because they looked to their parents as models and they were negative models. You know, the, the most important thing I believe that we were put on the earth for was to bring other people in so homo sapien continues. But it's the least thing we're prepared for. We don't know how to raise a kid, you know, unless we had, by accident, we had a really strong parental role. The kids come to me because I'm the alpha male dad they never had. I don't want any more kids, you know. I got three, three's enough. Uh, and they're all successful. Um, they did it more traditionally. They went to good schools, got multiple degrees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they saw me always working. They saw me always working. I was always gone. So you, 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 think, you think it's enough just to lead by that example? If they well, see you working, they might pick Not always. They no, might pick it up, yeah. right? But now the kids have too much free time. And free time, they, 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 information is almost instantaneous now. And most of the information is bad. It's not good what they get on the Internet. And they can't be away from their phones. They can't be away from texting. They can't be away from... I only use my, this, my cell phone that I just turned off. I only brought because they gave me your cell number. I don't use cell phones. I don't do uh, emails on cell phone. I, I have three cell phones. I have a U.S. cell phone so my kids can call me, which they never do. I have a U.K. cell phone when I'm ma- making a meeting here in London which hardly anybody calls, and I have an uh, Asian cell phone because I lived in Asia for 13 years, and, but I never use them. All my stuff is done via the uh, a laptop, uh, which um, I'm not controlled or addicted to uh, the Internet. With my addictive personality, if I got, I mean, I'd be on those games and all that crap, I, I'd go crazy. Because everything I have to do, I have to do it excess. But so, so that addictive personality, right, that some people would view as a negative. I have the same thing. I don't view it as a negative. No. It's a positive. Um, thank God we didn't get into drugs and do the wrong things. That's part of the reason. Um, that's probably the main reason you're successful. And some, like Elon Musk is successful. 
you can't give that to a kid just by watching no. you. Like that's that's wiring, right? That's wiring. Uh, both of uh, uh, all my kids are wired to do things uh, to excel, to try to win, uh, try to win. Uh, and the um, and the sibling sibling rivalry between my daughter and her brothers is pretty fierce. I mean, in fact, I don't. It's so fierce that it's not healthy in my judgment. But I never had, when my dad had uh, his second family, my kid brothers, I was like their dad. I was many, many years, you know, 15, 20 years ahead of him. So, I mean, I didn't compete with them. But if they were here to tell you, they'd say they competed with me. And, and, and uh, my, baby, my kid brother is the number two guy in the LA uh, County Fire Department, the second biggest fire department. Uh, and uh, he, he says, I always saw me, Danny, doing everything he could be. And so, um, by, but it's by example, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I was very strict with my kids, who they hung around with. I mean, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so, um, the... Um, I heard you, I, part of the reason I, I searched you out and found you, and awesome that you took the chopper into London, um, was you, you made a statement about if you're going to hang out on a Friday night in a pub with your buddies and, and watch football, uh, that's where you'll be in 20 years. Yeah. I, I played that 10 times. I made my wife listen to it. I made Because I don't like watching sports and drinking beer or any of that stuff. I just want to get shit done. Correct. So to hear you say it, I, I was vindicated. Yeah. And, well, I said, um, if you're going to sports bars and belching and farting, watching uh, football matches now, in 20 years you'll be the same. Guys, maybe two or three of the guys will be different, but you'll still be belching and farting and think it's funny. Yeah. But, I mean, Elon Musk doesn't go to Super Bowls. Elon Musk doesn't go to the World Basketball Championships. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, the guys that you see aren't those guys. Uh, uh, and the um, eagles fly above. Eagles fly alone. I don't have, I got two or three guys I know for 50, 60 years. That's the extent of my friends. You know, I see them two, three times uh, every other year, and that's it. Uh, we're not hanging out. We're not, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You have to get used to uh, being alone and not being lonely. It's lonely at the top. And whoever said it's uh, hard to get to the top, but it's harder to stay there. You know, I've been from the penthouse to the shithouse a couple of times, and I didn't like the shithouse. So I made, made sure I got right back to the penthouse as, fa as fast as I could. Uh, and, um, but now, I mean, people look up to me. I've got a, a big following. And, uh, but my demographics have changed from 25 to 50 in age to now 15 to 30. We have kids as, as young as 15. So you, you had 15-year-olds coming come to you, and, and even now. Oh, yeah. And they're looking for advice. They're yeah, looking to they're get looking ahead. For, what they're looking for is leadership. They're looking for guidance. Uh, they want to be told, contrary to what some people think. I don't give them three or four choices. I give them one choice. And it's, it, you want to do it or you don't want to do it. It's up to you. You know, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. I mean, the... Uh, is it frustrating for you? I mean, what do you have, tens of thousands of people yeah. who come to you? Yeah, but I, I mentor 100 kids a year, personally. So you're, so so you're mentoring you. these kids, 90% uh, of them don't listen? or what, what? Uh, No. 90% of them only do 10 or 20%. Right. 10% of them do 80%. 1% of them do 100%. I'm meeting with a guy tonight for dinner who is English, who did a billion dollar deal about seven weeks ago from scratch. 
okay? And uh, Joel, if you're listening, a short little fat, he's built like a pear. He's got shoulders this big and he's got an this big. That's a slight exaggeration. Uh, and he's not white, okay? And which doesn't mean I don't see color, but I mean, he's not white. And, uh, and I talk about him uh, and the, I don't show his picture, don't say his last name because I don't want people chasing after him. Because he says it's hard enough. He says, I have a lot more friends now, Dan, or want to be. And uh, the, but it took him, he listened, he listened, he listened, uh, but you still have to have some talent. But you can't just be, you know, uh, an idiot and, and be successful. But I tell all the kids to follow their passion. Do what you really can love to do. Because if, if, you, if you can't do what you, you're doing now for 12 or 15 hours uh, and not consider it uh, uh, a passion, it'll get old. You, you do what you want to do all the time, and you walk around with the weight. Where's the weight, anyway? I thought, bring it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, Jesus. I'm, yeah, I didn't bring it. I, uh, I actually do that. But yeah, yeah, but you know what? I don't know why. I have the, um, what do you call the? Uh, the kettlebell. Yeah. But you fill it up with no, water no, or sand? No, no, no. I've been carrying a dumbbell, but I've got kettlebells. I said, why didn't, what the f- am I stupid? <laughs> yeah, but I've been, dumbbells, it's, it's harder with a dumbbell. It's harder with a dumbbell because yeah. it rubs your leg. Exactly. The, kettle, the kettlebell's easier. And I got just yeah. two new knees. And it's, yeah. uh, anyway. So, so let, let's um, take, take, take a break for a second, but let's, um, I want to dive into when you found money. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. So, Sephra, I'm excited about next week. You know who we got? Patel. 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 Yeah. So what is Um, is that? Roman has basically congregated the greatest thought leaders in our world. Yeah. And uh, he's going to tell us how. He brings them all together, and what do they do? They Patel. Hey, Patel. Yeah, and if you want to come Patel with us, uh, please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Beautiful. Great. Patel. Patel. Patel to you. So you, uh, you're running, you're driven, you're, you're flying through life, you went into officer school, and now you stumble upon money. Yeah, but back, backing up, from about 10, 11, 12, I got my first job. I was working on a big estate out in the San Fernando Valley, picking weeds, buck an hour. I turned 16, which is when you, uh, you can get a, a permit to work legally, and I got a job as a box boy, which they don't have anymore, where you put groceries in the ladies' bags and you help them out to the car. Uh, the first um, uh, month that I worked was August 1961, uh, uh, when I turned 16. So I'm, my birthday's the 10th, so I worked 20 days, 21 days. My paycheck for that, because I just happened to look it up, uh, was 241 bucks. So I worked about 240 hours in 20 days. You, you got a headache, you don't want to work, I'll take your shift. You, you want to go to, uh, uh, to the beach, I'll take your shift, okay? So my first month, that I, first 20 days I worked, I was averaging 10, 12 hours a day when I'm 16 years old, okay? And I, I like to be able to buy my clothes and stuff like that. Uh, when I was on Wall Street, uh, I went through the running, et cetera, and I'm on Wall Street, I realized that um, the, uh, I was successful, I had my first Rolls Royce when I was 26. I had matching Mercedes, Pena 1 and Pena 2. I lived in a, Fra- not, not Frank Lloyd, but a Frank Lloyd Wright type house. I had the, the world by the ass, I thought. Okay, so, but when I discovered money, money, is when I realized that I had been raised to compete against Hispanics. Contrary to what you might believe, I'm a, a minority. I happen to be a blue-eyed Hispanic, and I wasn't competing against 
the, uh, uh, like um, Bunker Hunt, uh, Ross Perot type guys, who were the big billionaires when a billion was really a billion. And uh, my whole life changed, turned around, and I really got after it. As, um, as uh, Jocko would say, I got after it. And then I realized, just do it. You know, I used to have a chip on my shoulder because I didn't go to an Ivy League school, like you, okay? But the first time I fired an Ivy Leaguer, then the second and the 50th Ivy Leaguer I fired, it doesn't make any difference, okay? And so, because I went to a school you have to explain about. I, I, so I, I watched uh, you explaining this at Oxford, and um, when I was building our firm on, on Wall Street, I uh, got super excited to be able to hire a bunch of Ivy Leaguers because after 9-11, everybody became available from the big firms, the Goldman Sachs, and I said, this is gonna be unbelievable, we're gonna hire all these people, we're gonna triple our sales. They were duds. Correct. Duds. The guys that crushed it on our trading desk, ex-pizza guys, club promoters, no education, they were animals. Yeah. Big difference. So I'm, I'm, we're 100% aligned there. They're hungry for success, and they never had anything on a, on a platter. They never had a silver spoon in their mouth. They don't know any other way but to grind it. And, uh, and, and that's just it. Whereas, as much as I appreciate the opportunity at Oxford, I mean, those guys feel elite. Entitled. Uh, entitled. You can't walk around those beautiful 31 colleges without feeling entitled. It's unbelievable how beautiful it is and that it's been around a thousand years. And, um, so do you take a kid and say, don't, don't go? To, no, I mean, what do you do with your kids? Some, well, my kids needed to go to school. Um, but just imagine, and your kids as, uh, as well, trying to compete with me, my kids. I mean, the odds are against them. Uh, I believe they'll both be very successful. But I mean, I, I, I've hit 50 grand slam home runs. I mean... So should we take our kids and move to Calcutta? No, you, you, whatever your kids want to do, you know. Uh, my kids didn't want to follow me, for sure, and I wouldn't even ask them to. Uh, your kids may not want to follow you. Uh, although I, I read a story about... Uh, uh, your son who did something, uh, some physical, it's one of yeah, your- Yeah, yeah, my uh, eight-year-old ran um, Boston Marathon, my seven-year-old ran New York Marathon. Yeah, 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 okay. So um, I, we definitely push them. I would say I push them more than my wife. But, um, but you, wanna, you don't want to push them, you want them to pull you, right? And so I don't, I, I'm asking, because I- I push, wrongfully, I push my kids into tennis, built my own tennis court, had a tennis pro there three times a week, my kids hate tennis. I pushed him into golf, had a golf pro. Uh, two, two of the kids hate golf, one doesn't hate golf. I pushed him into martial arts. They were young brown belts, they hate it. Uh, the, um, because I didn't give him any choice. So now I, if I had it to do over again, I'd give him three choices, all of which were good, but let them pick. I just pushed him. My mother, uh, being an illegal alien, uh, I was the only kid in the hood that took tennis lessons, free, at the park. Golf lessons, free, at the park. Ballroom dancing from Arthur Murray, 10 bucks a month. I was the only guy that could waltz, hood kid that could waltz. Now, fortunately, I was the biggest kid in my grammar school, so nobody knocked me around. But I took a lot of verbal abuse, uh, which would be considered bullying now. You were seeking dance, ballroom dancing? Or no, you my mother made me. Right. Because she, did, she, didn't, she knew that rich white kids knew how to dance. Okay? She knew that rich white kids knew how to play golf and tennis. And there's a book 
written by Dr. Spock in 1946. It's uh, Child Rearing. It's the second most purchased book behind the Bible. Uh, it's about 55 million copies, which outlines how to raise kids for the kids that came after uh, World War II 19, from 1946 on. It's a great book if you've got kids that are small. Self-esteem is built the first seven or eight years of life. They're either going to have self-esteem or they're not. And um, the most kids, who are you with the first seven or eight years? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. I just had a 19-year-old phenom who was homeschooled who uh, just did a $3 million deal earlier this year. He's a teenager. came to me when he was 17. Uh, didn't go to high school. Didn't go to college. Uh, his claim to fame, which is not, n- nothing uh, insignificant, he's an Eagle Scout. Okay? Uh, but he likes structure. His dad is a West Pointer at the Pentagon, full colonel. So he was, he's been raised with structure. I mean, most kids don't, can't spell structure, let alone, you know. And, and when, 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 when I was getting ready to come here, uh, the, uh, I get up earlier. I mean, unless there was an earthquake here, I would have been here. You know, unless there was, a, like in those movies, the, the, the ground separated. Uh, and the kids, oh, well, I'll see them next time. I don't understand that, you know. Unless I'm dead or in a coma, I'm here. So you've mentioned a bunch of times, and, and I've seen it online, and I, I don't know what it is. You keep saying people come to you. What do they, they, they come to your castle, okay. your farm. What do okay. they do? All my stuff on my website is free. I give all of my product away. I don't sell it. I was, I was poking fun at the other guys in the business. This, I just had my 25th, 24th anniversary, and I'm not having a sale, kids, because I, I don't sell anything. I give every thing away free. And why do I give it away free? Because I want to take the last little excuse you weenies have for not doing it. So I went, many years ago, I went from the highest priced product known to man, thousands and thousands for a disc that costs a nickel, to nothing for free, because I want you to succeed. 99.99% of all the people that have made the billions, I've never met. One-tenth of a percent, I have met. And those kids have come to the Castle Seminar which I give four or five times a year. Um, and, uh, and then what they're really coming for, instead of doing it all free online, is I mentor the kids for a year for free. But not dissimilar to your at the farm. Accountable. One weekly report, 52 weeks, where they make, make themselves accountable for every hour of the day. They have to list what they did in detail, okay? Once a month, we have a, a Zoom call where we get your group is all on screen where we talk about what you accomplished or didn't and where I belittle you, make you cry online in front of your peers. We've had people in the seminar pass out. We've had people their pants. We've had people piss their pants. We've had people literally collapse and sobbing because we have two bank accounts in life. We've got a financial bank account. We've got an emotional bank account. And it's the emotional bank account where they always run dry. It's the emotional bank account that they give up on the farm because you're beating them physically, okay? It's the emotional bank account why you, you, you can't do more and you're more worried about what people are going to say. What, you know, I've wasted all these 11 months or 11 years. Uh, Elon Musk had a, has, not had, had a, um, a, uh, a very similar saying, I would rather Sepico commit suicide, Harry Carey, than fail. I would rather commit suicide. How, how do we teach that? How well, do we teach only that? By, by exam- you can read all the books you want. I've had kids come to me that have read 700 books. They can't pull the trigger. They, they, they connote reading books, 
and jogging around the block with taking action. Jogging around the block doesn't mean a thing unless you test yourself and you go out and try to run the, qualify for the Boston Marathon, do a 100 miler, some of the kind of events you have, sure. but they don't do that because they think filling up their day is taking action. Filling up their day isn't taking action. It's just filling up their day. You said you had a great graduation story. Oh, um, I'm in high school, a uh, high school senior. Uh, the first period of high school, I used to go to uh, coffee dance and drink Bloody Marys uh, when I was in high school, 17 years old. And uh, I'm, we're sitting having lunch uh, in the senior quad, which is the area of the seniors. And in my day, the schools were locked down. I mean, you couldn't leave campus. And uh, the boys' his principal comes by, there's three of us, a guy named Walt, Ruben, and myself, and we're, we're eating uh, McDonald's hamburgers. So he asks, well, how did you get those hamburgers? Because he knows somebody had to leave. I said, we ordered them in. This is before home delivery. He says, okay, uh, I want you guys in my office. So he took us in our, his office, and he hands us our diplomas. Three weeks before graduation, he says, get the off campus. We don't want your kind here. So we went to the pool hall. We put our diplomas in our back pocket. And Walt, who's the intellect of the three of us, said, Martin Luther King is marching. We have rights. They can't do that to us now. So we went back to campus, and we crinkled up our diplomas and threw them in his face and said, we're going to stay for graduation. And I said, I'm going to burn the school down. Seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And we did. We, did. we caused havoc. We did all kinds of ugly shit. Uh, and uh, I did graduate, though, by the skin of my, no, uh, my ass. But that's the kind of kid I was. But, so how did it, military turn you? Like yeah, military, the, what really turned me was becoming an officer when I was responsible. So how would somebody join your program? Let's say I want to I get in the program. Well, I mean, uh, we, uh, we take um, roughly 20 every other month. Uh, and um, you... To, to the, 20 every other month to the castle. To the castle. 20 every other month, that's, that part's not for free. And, but the important, what I believe, and the real reason that anybody pays the money is because I mentor you for a year for free. I mean, but not everybody feel, uh, finishes the, the year mentorship. I mean, uh, they drop out <clears throat> because I, 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 I don't ask them. I'm not asking you snowflakes to do. I tell you the shit to do. If you don't do it, you're out. I know what it takes. I know that, you know, if you make 100 cold calls a day, You'll make a million dollars. People say, how do I become a billionaire? Change the life of a billion people. And by definition, you'll become a billionaire. You change the life of a billion people. I mean, look at Zuckerberg. You know, and and they uh, didn't get out of school. Of course, Bill Gates didn't get out of school. Steve Jobs dropped out after three days. I mean, that's not a requirement. But for some of you, it is a requirement because you need it to help bolster your self-confidence. You need it help you bolster your self-esteem. We have two bank accounts, like I said earlier, a financial bank account and an emotional bank account. And where we all fail, myself included, is emotionally. I get afraid, you know, but it's not what happens to you in life, it's how you react to what happens to you in life. But I just push through. I'm so used to success now. You know, not blowing smoke up my own ass. I'm so used to it now. It's my fact pattern. I mean, it's my, nobody's interested in the failures I've had last year. I had tried 22 different things that failed, but I tried two uh, that were big successes. So nobody's interested in the, oh, I think we'll try this and it didn't work. I think I'll try this and it didn't work. Um, but the, the castle is, is, is pretty phenomenal. It's a 15th century storybook place. Uh, you sit and you dress for dinner. Everybody's in suits the whole time. 
Uh, I'm the only guy that does that, apparently. Uh, the, uh, we even give you a, a short course on how to eat, use your fucking fork and knife. Most of you eat like pigs. We teach you manners, when to sit, to stand up when a lady comes in the room. We do all that old-fashioned shit. If you don't like it, fuck you. I don't care, okay? But to, uh, the, uh, it's interesting, uh, when you see some of these new companies going public, the young entrepreneurs, 18, 20, 25, they're all wearing suits when they go ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. You know, with the greatest respect, they're not wearing t-shirts and shorts. And um, the... Uh, the uh, um, now I'm disappointed. I should have wore a suit. I wore a suit um, all through Catholic school growing yeah. up. I couldn't wait to get the damn thing off. Did the nuns give you a beating? Oh my God, they killed me, the nuns. And then, uh, and then I did the whole Wall Street thing. I couldn't wait to get it off, and so I apologize for wearing no, a strap on. It's interesting. I, was, I used to teach catechism when I was a kid. I wanted to be a priest. And maybe all young Catholic boys want to be a priest, but I mean, I mean, the nuns used to, oh, yeah. but I mean, uh, to this day, yeah. and, and my wife and I, we, just, uh, we uh, support five or six orphanages, uh, uh, most of which are Catholic, and I met the big senior nun from one of the orders uh, in Asia a few years ago, and I told her about that, and the younger nun said, oh, that's this rumor myth that none, that, none of that happened. So I look at the old nun, who's about 10 years older than I am, I said, uh, Mother Superior, with the greatest respect, would you tell everybody how it used to be? We made mistakes, but that's why the Catholicism has last 2,000 years. We've been able to overcome. I said, okay, fine, that's enough. But I mean, because they used to give you a beating. Oh, my God, she used to uh, whack me, whack your hands. You had to put your hands out. Yeah, yeah. and they used to put me in the corner with a dunce cap. You can't do that. Now you have quiet time. Yeah. What, I don't know what the that is. A dunce cap, and uh, they uh, talk about embarrassing you. They, athletically, I was a real poor athlete. My dad was a world-class athlete. Uh, they used to say, Pena, you're so slow, you ought to have the other team's uniform on. I like it. Because I was, I mean, it was really slow. And uh, I wasn't very, much, very coordinated. That, pro- that probably got you to a 3.05 marathon, right? Yeah. They, they pounded that into you. Yeah, my, my, I had slow twitch muscles and no fast twitch muscles. Yeah. Uh, of course, then I don't think they knew what a fast twitch muscle was. Um, the, uh, but the longer I'd run, the better I'd feel. A third of the kids that come to me in the seminar have six packs, wow. and they're into physical fitness. A third. Wow. Okay. And now, now do you see a correlation? Are those kids the one getting through your program? Nope. No. They're the ones that aren't. Right. That's right. Because they spend all their time getting a six pack. Endurance hippies. Who, who are you seeing get through the program? The kids that get through the program are the kids that, for whatever reason, some trauma in their life, not get through it, but I mean get through it and be at the top. Some trauma in their life. For example, one of my superstars right now is a guy named Marcus. He was on the Austrian ski team, arguably the best ski team. And a number of years ago, uh, before the Olympics, he blew out his knee, never skied again. It took him a year to recover emotionally. Uh, But then he took that focus uh, and he uh, devoted it to business. uh, And now he's got 100 million euros in four or five years. Uh, He said that I haven't been beaten like this since my ski coach at the Austrian ski team. I get Olympians, they have no problem. They understand. You know, it's, it, at the end of the day, Mr. P, it's whether I want it or not, right? Yeah. There, there's a pay price to action, okay? Now you're in the business of doing this, so you gotta be the model, okay? Yeah. You know, if you're doing this when you're 72, my age, I'll be around still, and I'll, I'll say, hey, Joe, what's happening, you know? And, and, and I, I understand that. But right now, 
It's easier for you because you don't call it work. You don't call it no, work. No, this is a pleasure to be able to sit with you and learn. Yeah, but I mean, learn. even the physical stuff. Yeah. You don't call oh, it. Mean, work. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. I tell everybody, running 100 miles is easier than running a business. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's vacation. Yeah, absolutely. Vacation. And uh, when I, when I, what I tell people, that there, there are people that um, have been able to take that dedication. I've got a, a world-class power lifter guy who's a lawyer who finds this easy. He finds it easy, you know. Yeah. He, he says, but his, uh, he doesn't like the fact that he's lost 12 pounds, uh, you know, of muscle, allegedly, because he's doing this now. Because uh, you can't be all things to all people. How young is too young? Can I put my 11-year-old in the program? Uh, 11 uh, too young. Uh, if you come with the 11-year-old, that's fine. We can do it. Yeah, but uh, the youngest we've had that has been successful on his own is 15. On his own. Uh, but um, we've I'm had, coming, we've I'm had, coming with the 11 year old. Me okay, and the 11 year old. We've had fathers, sons, and grandsons. And when we're talking about bad influence, good influence, the son will look at the dad, the dad will look at the granddad, and the granddad's head goes down like this. And what the excuse that they, they all have, I did the best I could, or I did what I learned from my parents. And that's not necessarily... It's not acceptable. No, it's not. The, um, when, I, when I go back and I see, uh, you know, I have, I have relatives that are in prison for life at San Quentin. Not just the son, but the grandson. I mean, and, and they so what, were the good so what, kids and yeah. I was the bad kid. So what, so what do you attribute that to? Like, uh, well, the because they stayed, they stayed in the environment. They stayed in the environment that we were talking about earlier. It's tough to break the poverty environment. So they stayed the in the bar belching and farting. Correct. No, they stayed in the bar being gangbangers, right. uh, uh, you know, rolling guys. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I never robbed anybody, but I did, I did some terrible shit. I tried to kill my school teacher when I was in grammar school. I got expelled three times before I was out of grammar school. That's one to six grade, three times. One time for breaking a kid's arm on purpose in six or seven places. One time for busting a guy's face up on purpose. And one time for dropping an aquarium from the second floor, be the first floor here in this country, on my teacher. Now, did I, was I thinking that I was going to try to kill him? No. Obviously, now I'm an adult, or since I've been an adult, why would, what was I possibly thinking? Dropping a 40-pound aquarium on my school teacher. Fortunately, he moved, and it only cr- crushed his uh, clavicle. But if he hadn't, hadn't moved, it would have hit him in the head and killed him. And the... Um, it's, you're lucky. You're, oh, lucky. you're lucky to be here today. Yeah, well, right? I know. You're lucky. I, know. I mean, the odds are against you. Ah, absolutely. And then I discovered other things for Adrenaline Rush. After I got done with powerlifting and, 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 and running, I got into big game hunting. I haven't killed any animal. Don't give me a bunch of in 25 years. And rifles were too easy. Then I hunted him with pistols. Too easy. Then I hunted him with big knives and jumped in their f- and killed him with a big god knife. I didn't care. You can't kill me. You can't. I've been run over by a 4,000 pound buffalo. And I ran it down in the jungle and killed its ass. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you can't kill me. So that's why I love talking to the black belt guys. Third Don, four, I'll give you your Don. I'll rip your head off and shit down your neck. Wow. All right. <laughs> We're going to end it with that. This was awesome. Thank you very thank, much. Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you for coming here. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, my pleasure. We're going we're gonna to make some shit happen. I'm bringing my 11-year-old. Absolutely. I'm coming, good. I'm coming to the castle. Okay. Very um, good. I want him in a suit. I want you to make him cry. Oh, I, that, that's, that's a given. 
right. And he'll, the, the question is, will he look up to you? I don't know. How do we're I stop gonna, this, we're, Daddy? We're gonna, we're gonna. But, but when you cry, who are you gonna look at? When I cry, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got no parents anymore. I don't know who I'm gonna look to. I guess I'll look to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Q.L.A. Rose from London Real. I know Brian. Okay. Yeah. His life changed when he came to the seminar in October 2014. Uh, he's a different guy. He's got you know, uh, and he. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to change Joe Rogan's life, uh, but uh, I haven't just recently been on the show. But um, most people, uh, I change. How awesome was that? It's my, my, one of my favorites. Does that remind you of uh, Barry Hearns a little bit? Yeah, huge, huge. Right. And, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm guessing just because there was so much in there that Marion might actually have to edit that down. Just, I mean, there were actually, for those of you who don't know, when, when we were watching this, there were two parts to that. It, was, it just he kept going and going, and there was so much good stuff. I couldn't stop him. It, well, I, mean, he, he, I, don't, I don't think anyone could stop him. It was 400 miles for him to, for him to get there. He got there, and we were, he was on fire. Yeah. And it took me uh, probably three months to get that meeting yeah. to happen because he's just so busy. Yeah, I love, when, I love when you commented on how it was amazing that he'd gotten there on such a busy day, and he said, Joe, it would have to be like one of those Hollywood movies where the earth opens up and swallows everything <laughs> for me to not be here. When I say I do something, I do something. It was like, it was literally, we were supposed to meet, let's say, at 7 a.m., it was 6.59, and he came walking, walking in. in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All yeah. dressed up? All dressed up. He's right? a, he, he looked, yeah, he's like straight. I mean, I don't know what the word pimp actually comes from, but I mean, he's like, <laughs> boom. He's got Biggie Smalls in the back. He lives in a castle. And then, you know what? I mean, I love it. He's like, I mentor all these kids, and for 52 weeks, you're going to send me an email with what you've done for every hour. I mean, can yeah. you imagine thinking about being that accountable for something? Yeah, one thing I'd I love to see what One thing I thought was really interesting is that he did uh, differentiate a little bit between the people who come to him for advice, the ones who are there, you know, and he's taking them through the year of mentoring. He said, I don't give them options. It's not do this or this. It is do one option. this. Yeah, that's and if so you can't smart. do it, get out. But then he talked about parenting and that he felt that he might have made a mistake as a parent doing that, that he should have given the kids options. And, and I, I didn't see that as... Um, as uh, Hypocritical? Yeah, I didn't see that as hypocritical because he was saying, hey, as a parent, my role is to raise these human beings to be happy, productive people, and, um, and to have a life of their choosing. People who come to me and say, I want to make $100 million, I want to yeah. make a difference in the world, they're here because they respect exactly where I'm coming from. And so I like that. He, he said, they have no choice. Do this or get out. Well, they have a singular purpose. Yeah. You're raising a child to be a much broader person. You're, yeah. you're, you're coming to him to get advice how to make money. Yeah. That's, that's a one-lane objective, right? Yeah. So, and, and what do you say? There's a, the, the teen who's already uh, done a million-dollar deal or a $3 million-dollar deal, he's yeah. 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, no, he's got, he's got a ton of stories like that. I mean, that's how he calculates the $50 billion of, of deals that he's created is bring, bringing people together, teaching them, et cetera. Um, I'm going to bring Jack, my 11-year-old, to the castle. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yes. I like that. <laughs> and I'm just going to see what happens. We're going we're gonna to do it. Yeah. You, you're going to take him there. I'm going to take him there. You're not talking about leaving him there. <laughs> I might leave him. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. He's just like, I think he just cuts the fat of everything. He's like, I'm giving it away for free so you weenies don't have an excuse. He's like, just fucking do it. And I just think, I think that that's, that's such a good attitude. That gives you like, that gives you, I don't know, a really good role model with just no, no BS around it's, it at all. It feel, feels like Spartan like, business. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Right? Yeah. I can, I can definitely see some allegiance, some, uh. He's also so connective, connective tissue. Yeah, He's also you. so open about his past. You know, the idea, you look at this guy and he, he feels like, he kind of feels at first like he came from money just because he's like, he's got the crisp collars and everything else. 
But then you find out, I mean, he was, he was born, you know, in, in a really, really rough neighborhood in East L.A. He, uh, he'd been thrown out of school. He, uh, he'd, you know, really Penthouse been in, in, in some sketchy trouble. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it really does show that it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters where you're going. And, uh, and he, when you and him, he talked about the... Uh, Ivy League schools. The Ivy League schools. Yeah. And the idea about, about how entitled <laughs> a lot of these people feel because of that upbringing. And, you know, and you said, I'd much rather have the, the guy who grounded as a peach delivery man, but wants it, really, really wants it, will claw for it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We had hundreds of people working on the trading desk, and, and there were only a few that crushed it. And it was the few that came from ex-pizza delivery man, somebody living in a mom's basement who wanted to get ahead. Yeah. It was not the Ivy League's... Uh, graduates that work from Goldman Sachs. Nothing against Goldman Sachs, because who knows, maybe someday they'll be our sponsor. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but he, he, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, Johnny. Sure, well, the, the other thing that I, that, I, that I love that he said Finance. is he didn't discount school completely. He just said that it's not the answer. But one thing that he said that, that was really interesting is he talked about how you need confidence. You need unassailable confidence. And for some people, going to school to get that degree, that credential, there's huge value in that. And he said it's not what you learn at school. It's if, if it will give you the confidence that you can then go present yourself more authoritatively, then it's worth it. And I thought that was a really interesting angle that, um, that, uh, you know, that, that sometimes that's the value in, well, in, in a degree I mean, or whatever. Everything in life is about selling. Yeah. You're selling your family. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got to be able to you're stand up family, and articulate <laughs> what you're trying to pitch and do for today. Yeah. And if you can't do that well, you're not getting anything done. Yeah. So you know, unless you can do it all on your own, which... I know you can. No, no one can. No one can, right? That's no what we've, we've learned through all of these team. podcasts. Right. right. United there, we stand, divided we fall, yeah. or something like that. Something like that. I don't know. I think... <laughs> I, th- I think. <laughs> well, then why speak? Random thoughts with Sephra Alexander. <laughs> no, but I think the, the other thing I thought was interesting I never thought about is the idea of a financial bank account and an emotional bank account. Yep. I thought, that's interesting. I mean... I don't know what I think beyond that, Johnny. <laughs> well, no, no, no that, that makes total sense, though, that, uh, that to go out and build that financial bank account, you have to have confidence, you have to have energy, you have to have um, a positive purpose. And when he talks about that most people, it's their emotional bank account that gets drained long before they can build that financial bank account up. And if you can build some resolve and some resiliency and purpose um, and keep that there and wake up every day putting positive deposits into that, that's going to drive you in the world to go out and build that financial bank account. And the financial bank account, if you just stumble into that, you know, if you win a lottery, that's why everyone's broke in 10 years because they don't have that resiliency and that emotional bank account built up first. So I thought that was powerful. Or accounting or yeah, know, right. but the, edu- the education, the, the handle the money. But, it, but it's interesting <laughs> listening to you talk, and I, I guess Joe would be the best to ask on this panel at least. <laughs> to become, to become, no, I mean, to become successful there, you just talked about all the positive attributes you have to have. Yeah, sure. But I would imagine on the emotional side as well, you've got to have, I think, a level of ruthlessness. ruthlessness. Oh, yes. sure. As well. And we talked about uh, on other podcasts as well, cutting the dead weight, you know, cutting yeah. those people around you that can't make it, that slow mm-hmm. you down, mm-hmm. that, that, that pull you back, the negativity, those kinds of things. And you've got to be able to make business decisions coldly and unemotionally. I'm, I'm, right? not, I'm not great at that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. Or so. I, think, I think more than coldly, you just have to be able to make decisions, right? Because well, I think as a leader, it's just like people look and, and if you're wishy-washy and taking forever, nothing gets done. And the good thing is when you ask someone who's in a position where they can say like, no, yes, go do it. Indecision is the worst decision. Indecision right. is yeah. definitely the worst decision. With that said, we've Let's... got a decision for you to make. Check out Spartan.com podcast. You will learn more. You'll read, more, read view, listen to more podcasts. You're, they're going to blow you away. 
I never do this. Dan Penna, you can type in Google, um, $50 billion man speaks at Oxford University. Listen to that interview. That'll blow you away as well. Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Spartan Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Spartan Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. (laughs) 